Oh, hello there. Welcome to the Food Movies Podcast. I am your host, Paul. That is my friend, Jeremy. I'm a film buff. Jeremy's a foodie. Together, we investigate the intersection of food and movies in some of the most popular and well-known movies of all time. Uh, we go on tangents, tell jokes, and uh, just see where our minds take us, which is usually in some kind of unusual or funny way. Today's movie, Jer, let's Rata- talk about it. What is Ra- it? Ratatouille. Uh, this is our first kind of kids this is our foray into like children's movies the the pixar disney world um and so i don't it should be interesting um i'm not i'm I'm, my going in i was like how deep can we really go on this but i'm sure we can uh uh, yeah just uh let's 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 cut it open let's yeah, let's get into it. First thoughts. Uh, do you want to, do you want to go ahead and give you your first thoughts in the movie? Uh, it was two thousand and seven. Yeah. Uh, a Pixar. It was a similar seminal Pixar movie. It was directed by Brad Bird, who was considered to be a prodigy as far as animation and filmmaking goes. This guy had started making animation when he was, I believe, a teenager, and he got accepted into Cal Arts, which is Disney's uh, pipeline for animators and creative people. He got accepted there. And right out of Cal Arts, he got a job at Disney. He was sort of shepherded or taken under the wing of the old Disney masters at a young age. And he was the heir apparent. He was the prodigy. He was the guy who was supposed to take up the mantle and move animation in this to the modern world, basically. And I must say, he, he did. You know, The Incredibles, Iron Giant, Ratatouille. Uh, he was in The Simpsons for a bit. I think he was in The Critic for a bit, television show. Love The Critic. Yeah. John yes. Lovitz. John Lovitz. Mm-hmm. Very funny. Also directed, handpicked by Tom Cruise to direct one of the Mission Impossible movies. I believe it was Ghost Protocol. Okay. So, yeah. There you go. Brad Bird. The the Mission Impossible movies, the post, like there were two phases of Mission Impossible. There was like one, two, three, and then there was anything after three. Or mm-hmm. or one and two, and then anything after two. Um, no, but this guy is no, no lightweight. Like he clearly has a lot of... Uh, a lot of storytelling under his belt. And this movie, to me, was, you know, I don't hate animated movies. I don't hate kids' movies. I just, like, when they when they come into theaters, if it's between that and something else, I'm always going to opt for something else. Because, one, I don't have kids. And, two, I just, you know. But then whenever I watch them at home, like, my wife will be like, hey, let's watch Frozen or let's watch this. And I'll be like, all right. After a while, I'm just like, I liked that. I had fun with that and I'll be singing and whatever. This one didn't have much singing, but, uh, or any singing, but, uh, yeah, didn't hate it. Uh, Pixar clearly does a great job, uh, with these movies, tells a good story. There's always a good moral. There's always some learning. Um, but do you find that a movie like this goes very deep? Like there's a lot of depth to the story. That was my fear going in. Oh, buddy. Okay, here we go. I, I, I have some thoughts about this film as, and the layers and the possible allegories that have arisen and now that I've watched it as an adult. Um, yeah, I got, some, I got some theories. I got some depth to this that we can get into. Interesting. You know what? Let's just get into it because I want to fire off immediately. About All right, let's my do entire, it. Yeah, my entire thesis of this film. So for those watching or listening at home, we have just done the introduction and now we're going to go through all of the instances of food most because there's, there's quite a few in this one. So we haven't we can't get to all of them, but we'll get to the most significant ones. But we go through every instance and analyze it based on character, story and whatever 
we're thinking at the time that, that the food means. So uh, we overthink it and uh, that's, that's, that's the podcast. So right off the bat in the opening montage of Pixar. By the way, Pixar, great opening montages. Phenomenal. Yeah, always. Yeah. Sets you up beautifully. Yeah. But there is an immediate conflict set up between two schools of thought. One uh, of from Gusto. I believe his name is Gusto. Let me just yeah. double check that. The, the fat the, the chef. chef. Fat chef. The fat chef Gusto, who is dead, but is alive in some kind of like Star Wars force ghost type image to deliver his message to other people. But his message is anyone can cook. Yeah. His alter, alter ego by the name, yeah. the guy's name is ego. His message is, I don't think anyone can do it. He feels that cooking is for the privileged. So there is an immediate, this is, this is an immediate, this, is, this movie is an allegory for libertarian politics. And I'll tell Interesting. you what. Interesting. Yeah. Anyone can cook is the fact that the libertarian ethos, which is that special people are special no matter where they come from or, or, or what their skin is. They, they really believe in the, the glory of the individual. Okay. Ego is a representation of the, of the glory of the establishment. Like we have built these hierarchies, we have built this social strata, and he is in championing of the way things are and of stagnation. Gusto is championing of taking risks and being progressive, and he feels that the only way society can progress is through the maverick new thinkers and the individuals, mm -hmm. and the group is constantly holding the individuals back. This is an Ayn Randian allegory of libertarianism, ladies and gentlemen, based okay. on food delivered to our children. I can't wait for the right wing pundits to pick this up and start snapping pieces of this off. By the way, uh, we are we are just going to run with that. We will get all the alt right followers, or or not. Um, yeah, it's good. It's good we picked such a, a politically poignant movie. Um, yep. And I don't disagree. I mean, I took it as a more wholesome message, but maybe I, you know, I wear rose colored glasses. Um, oh. Of just you know, exact same thing you're saying. I maybe I don't equate it with libertarianism is more just like forward thinking, you know. The, so, you, the, so you think it's left-wing progressivism? That's uh, what you think it is. I think it's why are we excluding people from living their dreams? The message to a child here. And maybe that, you know, these movies have layers like onions, especially these kids animated movies. They always have layers where you peel back and there's like a, a dick joke. And then you're like, oh, I wouldn't have got that if I was five. Um, you know oh, yeah. what I mean? So... You know, maybe for the adult in, in us, it's a libertarian analogy, um, but maybe for the kid in us, it's you can do whatever you want, no matter who you are, as long as you uh, try really hard and don't give up and all that fun stuff. So I think on 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 two different levels, it plays, I guess. I, I guess we could say that. OK, so moving right along. Minute 221. <laughs> the, uh, we, we introduced to our hero. Um, Remy and his brother Emil, they're both rats. Yeah. And there's this whole di di divide between rats and human beings. Like rats are seen as below humans, which I think is a, a metaphor for social strata and the proletariat being separated from the elites. So I think yeah. the humans represent the elites. The rat represent rats represent the lower classes, the working classes, who no matter what they do will always be rejected to the elites who will seek to prop up their own position and, and feel threatened by newer thinking. Anyway, 221, 
Emil's uh, Rene, uh, Remy, sorry, Remy's brother Emil pops up in the trash, bursts through the middle of a discarded pastry, which is a Napoleana, yeah. which is called a Napoleana. Yeah, which is a Remy little, is a yeah, sorry, go ahead. It's a little layered dessert, I believe. Yes, and Remy is able through his gift, his 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 natural, uh, in you know his natural human potential. He has this gift where he's able to smell things and know exactly what they are. He's able to smell and identify all the scents and ingredients in the pastry, while his brother is an idiot who's just eating garbage mindlessly. So yeah. we established early that Remy is a special person among these non-special people, and he has this ambition to rise out of his place in society. Right. He has this skill of being able to smell, which is equated with a lot of chefs have a good, what's called a good palate. They can smell or taste uh, mm. things and put together meals, et cetera, et cetera. However, his group, if, you know, if we're going with your theme here of the proletariat working class versus the elites, his mm. group doesn't see that in him. And they use his skill for a very utilitarian survival based purpose of smelling out poison within the uh, garbage they're all eating and so they don't they don't want to rise above their station they just want to be able to live properly within their station and protect themselves from the elites exactly and remy's father remy is has a lot of ambition and his father is there he's, he tamps down his ambition and is constantly reminding him we're rats we don't do that we do this and so yeah. that is definitely illustrating what you said when remy displays his uh his talent his father uses it at the very lowest possible level, which is just smell yeah. out poison, son. We don't want you creating something. Yeah. Very unimaginative, very, very utilitarian. Yeah. Okay. Minute five. Remy has gone scavenging and he has a wonderful mushroom, a fresh mushroom that he's very proud of. His brother has a sack full of stuff, but unintentionally, his brother finds a cheese, which is described as a palme de cheverie, de pain, which is the cheese. Yeah. Uh, Remy is extremely excited about it. And his first thought is, again, his brother is just like, food is food. Let's just eat whatever. Remy's like, no, no, no. I have a mushroom. You have that very good cheese. We're going to do something with this. We're going to make something. We're going to do something that rats don't always do. And so he feels a compulsion to cook something inside of him. And he decides to smoke the mushroom over a chimney. The mushroom gets struck by lightning. It turns into like a popcorn style mushroom. He decides at minute seven that they need to go into the kitchen and complete their mission of making a wonderful meal by stealing saffron and mushrooms, and they risk it. Yeah. So, yeah. very French ingredients. Uh, mm -hmm. Mushrooms, are you'll find in a lot of different French, especially French peasant food has a lot of mushrooms in it, because they will, they, you know, they will use anything they can find to make a great dish. Uh, pomme de chèvre, uh, being the cheese, once again, a very French cheese has a kind of a tart, nutty taste to it. Um, good cheese. Good cheese. Cheese and mushrooms, I don't know how much experience you've had with them, but if you ever have a mushroom risotto, for example, uh, putting a lot of it, like Parmesan on that, so it's all melty and good, always a good time. Cheese and mushrooms go together very well. Mushrooms tend to absorb a lot of flavor of other mm. things. Cheese can be very oily. That oil will get in with the mushroom and taste fantastic. So definitely a good combination. And then he went to get sage, I believe, from the kitchen. He needed a saffron. Saffron. He needed saffron, yeah. Which also, I think, whoever wrote this clearly knows something about food because that would be a uh, very nice combination. 
Really? Saffron and mushroom? I love saffron. Saffron's good in a lot of stuff. I uh, figured saffron was more of an Eastern Yeah, flavor, but it adds it? a different kind of flavor to anything, right? It does. Yes, definitely. You can see it a lot in... Saffron's weird. It comes in one of those little like vials. You shouldn't touch too much of it. A little goes. A it, long it looks way. like you're buying drugs, basically. Yeah, a little Saffron, goes a long yeah. way, but it's a great flavor. It's a very intense flavor, um, and with a bunch of you know, anytime you're adding different new flavors to things, you could take it in a whole new direction. So saffron felt like to me it was a very interesting combination. A very kind of big French cheese, mushrooms which are kind of neutral. And then the saffron, I'm wondering where he would get some sort of acid in there. It would be nice to kind of cut through that. But uh, that, you know, that's up to them. Mm. Yeah, I like all those ingredients. They, they, yeah, simple ingredients, peasant ingredients, but done well. Oof. Yeah, I mean, the cheese, not so much. But in, yeah. in, in France, cheese is like ubiquitous. You eat it anywhere. Right. Uh, at minute nine, the forest ghost of Gusto is explaining on TV that you must be, ima- he's basically talking to Remy. He says, you must be imaginative, strong-hearted. You must try things that may not work, and you must not let anyone define your limits because of where you come from. Your okay. only limit is your soul. What I say is true. Anyone can cook, but only the fearless can be great. This man is a libertarian propagandist. Jerry. For sure. Yeah. Ob- obviously, right? Yeah. Well, it reminds okay. me of, you remember Yan can cook? Yeah. Yeah. If Yan can cook, so can you. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that, he's got that. Maybe Yan was a libertarian kind of pundit. I don't know. Um, oh, <laughs> you talk about a, a mnemonic that has stuck around. I still remember that little phrase, a little saying. Yeah, he yeah. had all those like racist aprons. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, God bless that man. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, definitely about that statement. I, I mean, I, I'm loving this this theory you're going with. So let's stick with that. But also okay. a nice message for the kids. If you really want to do something, go ahead and do it. Um, I'm assuming this movie came out right around the start of the rise of this. You know how when Mad Men was around, everyone wanted to be in advertising, thought advertising was cool. That kind of petered yep. out. And then this movie came around and a bunch of kids went into culinary school. This was 2007. So I think you're right. Food culture was really picking up with the Internet at this point. Yeah. And so a bunch of people wanted to be chefs and then realized... Oh, wow, that's a lot of work. Um, Like to be a chef in a restaurant, you've got to basically just, I mean, depending on what level restaurant you want to work at it, it, from what I've heard, I don't know. I'm not, I've never been a chef. Um, It's a grind. Like it's not, you're working nights. It's not as glamorous as you think it is. Um, Movies and TV tend to glamorize it, but it's a lot of, it's a slog. Um, so, so keep that in mind, but like this movie did not play out the, they did it a little bit with, and we'll get there, but, um, they didn't play out how hard a job being a chef actually is. And, and so it's, it's, but it's, you know, this movie is for kids. Yeah. Or is it? Or Or is is it? it? Or is it for libertarian kids? Possibly. Minute 15, Remy finds a baguette and is about to eat it, but Gusto's ghost appears and stops him from stealing the bread he makes it very clear you shouldn't steal so there is a very clear sign and this is what this is what rats do they take i feel like that's a metaphor for the so-called welfare queens who are takers of society these rats take they're not making anything you know and so this ghost of gusto is saying no 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 you shouldn't steal and this is a recurring thing with them like you shouldn't take things but is there something to be said about the fact that they're willing to take 
the scraps off the table of the uh, the elite. Like they're happy, except for Remy. The rest of them are happy, basically eating garbage. They mm-hmm. want the scraps. He wants the main course. Mm-hmm. Does that play in at all? Basically, I th- I feel like the rats they're they're meant to eat scraps. But if they try to rise above their level by taking something that doesn't belong to them, this is this is a class warfare kind of metaphor. Take your scraps. Be happy with your scraps. Don't come over here and steal our stuff, a- a.k.a. don't take our taxes. Okay? Mm-hmm. You use your scraps. That's what you deserve. Is this film a metaphor for the French Revolution through Could food? Be. Through food. Yeah, a lot of that. A lot of that possible. Oh, I, I personally think my personal feeling is that Brad Bird um, is a closet libertarian type okay. dude. Because if you watch this movie, the the, the, um, the Land of Tomorrow, I think it's called, or Tomorrowland or something, yeah, it's literally about that. It's literally about how there are special individuals and that society keeps holding them back. But there's this other magical land called Tomorrowland where people can invent their own world based on their own personal, um, their own personal potential, human potential. Hmm. So that's where I kind of got this whole theme with Ratatouille. I started seeing little correlations. But uh, listen, if I'm wrong, no, I'm no, wrong. no. You, you check me. You check. I'm me. here for it. I'm totally here for it. I love. I love. You know, to me, this was just a great movie about food. But now we're getting into it. Now we're digging deep. Oh, there, there's definitely there's way more than food here, bro. This, yeah, this is this has got everything involved in it. It's got I, class I, warfare. Yeah, there you I'm, go. I'm learning. I'm, I'm learning here. I'm learning here, baby. Let's keep going. I love it. Okay, so minute 17, Remy, Remy's compulsion, his nose, his great nose, leads him to find this restaurant, which was Gusto's restaurant. And uh, the dinner is in full swing. We're going full-on dinner rush. And it's the introduction of Linguini and the boss, Skinner. Yeah. Yeah. Skinner's a dick. Yep. Uh, but he, He's a capitalist, yeah. for sure. Well, here's the thing. He, I think, I think Skinner is one of those dudes who is who has gotten lazy and complacent, but he has, through the the force of the bureaucracy of society, he is he's not been able to be usurped from his position, because even though he's terrible at it and he shows no innovation, I think that he represents kind of the tyranny of the group, protecting the group instead of rising, uh, um, raising individuals who deserve it more than these old school people who are just clinging to their own power. Then we get into Remy follows his nose to the restaurant and it's, he's seeing a dinner rush for the first time. Um, is there anything you want to say about the environment, his first reaction to the environment of the, the kitchen staff? Right. So he goes through and now they're in Paris, right? Right. Or he, now he realizes he's in Paris. Um, Cause I suspect he's kind of been in Paris the whole time or at least around Paris. Um Paris, I think we can't not bring this up. If you like food, there are some cities in the world that are just a cut above the others, and Paris is probably at the top of that list. Um, with like the, even the food you get on the streets or the food you get in the restaurants, even the tourist spots, like the places where you you wouldn't go if you were local, they're still good. Like they're, they're just the way they do things. It's all still good. So Paris, I go there now. I don't even go there to see the sights. I only go there to literally eat. I just eat food. Yeah. That's what, it's like a food tourism place for me. And that's it. 
Um, so, do you have a name for that kind of a, tr- a trip, but like a food trip? Do you have a specific name for it? Just a trip for, for just me. Just a trip? Yeah. yeah. I usually now I'm, I'm more interested in going to good restaurants. Like I'll have my restaurants picked out and booked months in advance before I go on any trip. Um, because it's just like, that's important to me. I'd rather see that than, you know, the, the Eiffel Tower. I, I've seen the Eiffel Tower. I've never been up it because I just don't wait in lines. I hate that. Um, have you have you performed an Eiffel Tower before? No, 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 no. no. Okay. It requires too many people. I'm a I'm a one on one kind of guy. Um, Fair. So yeah, never performed, um, but uh, definitely seen the Eiffel Tower. I've never seen an Eiffel Tower being performed in front of me either. So mm-hmm. you know, a lot of a lot of good Eiffel Tower information about me right there. Um, okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> would, would you would you call if that's if the if the dot com for foodcation has not been taken yet? I feel like you should take it. Foodcations, Foodcation. yeah. Foodcations. I would. Yeah. I would definitely like to do that. Do a kind of a, a blog about or I don't know. Do people blog anymore? No, they don't. No. Yeah, they yeah. vlog though. They I've definitely vlog. Yeah, but then I gotta then they, you gotta listen to me for two hours and people are already doing that. Uh, two mm. two your parents are already doing that. So yeah, uh, <laughs> they got questions, by the way. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. We should do an episode. Okay. <laughs> anyway, moving right along. Jeremy enjoys Eiffel Towers or the Eiffel Tower. The We're Eiffel. not sure. The Eiffel Tower, sure. Yeah. So at minute twenty, there is an explanation of the brigand system of running a kitchen, which is the formalization, basically a millist. It, it was. It was. Created by the the seminal chef August Auguste Escoffier, yeah. Auguste Escoffier, who brought a the organizational dynamics of military staffing, and he mm-hmm. brought that into the kitchen and created this hierarchy and this separation of, of division of labor. Everyone has their little unit, and, and kitchens. If you ever worked in a kitchen, it is very military. It is very like it's basically like boot camp all the time. You're getting yelled at. You have things to do. You have timings that you have to hit. And it is a tough environment, and 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 it is a military style, style brigand environment. So yeah. there you go. And I've seen. I mean, I've heard. I have some friends. I have a friend, and his brother actually was a chef at one point. Who are chefs? And it's not so. Every most kitchens, most good kitchens, run in this fashion. Um, not every kitchen is this like pressure cooker that you see on TV. Like a lot of them can be. Actually, very mellow, very calm. The and, open and, ones are. The open ones usually are because you don't want to see some guy getting berated while you're eating food. But nope. um, also, restaurants that do a set menu, like where you pay, you know, you pay the whatever amount of money and they do like a tasting menu and that's mm-hmm. all they do. Those, those ones, everyone kind of knows what they have to do. Everyone's working on their thing. So you know you're going to make. 15 uh, foie gras whatevers or 15 caviar eggs or 15 right so they know how many seatings they have like it's very calculated so the chefs basically you become a robot and the creativity comes when you're actually designing the menu but when you're doing the menu it's like take the egg put the caviar boil to this saucier puts the sauce bring it to the past, they inspect it, this is exactly what we want, get it out, right? So 
it's it all it all differs very much but a lot of the kitchens that you don't see especially with those open kitchens you're right the open kitchens are always gone there's a lot of uh, the the chef de cuisine or the top chef you know the guy or girl who's got their name on the door um they're berating people making sure it's perfect and if the, if food is made to order that becomes a lot more unpredictable a lot harder because you don't know what's coming in the kitchen next and that's where you see on hell's kitchen when they're like you know five covers this that's that da, 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 da. yeah chef blah 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 and they it's like it's very military so hmm. it, it, it's interesting this movie does actually does a great job of explaining it some things i didn't even know um about who's who in the kitchen uh but yeah yes sir um so at minute 23 we are introduced to Linguini, who is the illegitimate son of the basically king of this restaurant, who right. is, uh, I keep forgetting his name. Uh, Gusto. Gusto. Yeah. Gusto is basically the, the king who has died, and there is no heir apparent. Right. And then this, now his, his legitimate biological son shows up, who is Linguini. Yeah. And he is terrible at cooking. He ruins a soup. No clue. Remy the Rat sees this. Fixes the soup. The soup goes out and is eaten by a critic who loves it. And despite the good news, Skinner dismisses Linguini as a garbage boy and fires him. But his staff advocates for him, mostly based on his position, I guess, as Gusto's son. Or they, their thought that is that he's... I guess they just like him or does it think yeah, it's Gusto's maybe son? they like him. I'm not sure. He's, a, he's basically the busboy of the kitchen, right? Yes, but uh, but again, we le we learn later that he's Gusto's son, and I think that him effing up the soup and Remy fixing the soup, so he is technically this is like a monarchy. Mm. Gusto is the king, Remy is the prince. The prince, but is considered to be the one who should take his place. He is the rightful uh, heir to the heir apparent to the throne, but he's not capable. That is a indictment of monarchies. And legacy hierarchies, I feel like it's also to me. I you know, if if we're if we're overthinking, if I'm you know putting on the hat, of course we are, of course we are. Yeah, what are we doing? This how podcast? we do? It really speaks to um, the concept of inheritance. Yeah, right? absolutely. Like from a non even put the monarchy aside for a second, and just you know how many kids come up and basically just. They're because they're born into something, they've won a lottery, mm -hmm. right? That's that's you know, they picked their parents well. Yeah, uh, just because you know the the stars aligned or whatever, the molecules came together and and two people did what they had to do. Now all of a sudden, there's some kid who's just born rich. Look at our prime minister right now. And well, would he have gotten prime minister if he was his name was anything else? Honestly? I am not. I am not opening up that can. Of water. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. A it's true though. We are creating monarchies, despite like even though we 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 agree they don't work. Like Hillary Clinton yeah, running for president, George Bush Jr. running for president against you know how is it possible a son became president uh, while his father became president too? Like that's right. There's this weird desire in us to go in that direction for some reason. Nepotism. Is that that's the word we're looking for? Yeah. But it also, there is a sentiment among the population where we, it's like a very tribal thing, which is in us, which we see the chief 
And we just assume the chief's son should be He's the going to chief. be as good as the yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. And usually it's not the case. Like I'm not I'm not usually not. I'm not gonna say anything opposite. about Justin Trudeau. Um yeah. except for that I like to call him little Justin. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to say anything about Justin. By the way, that's L I L apostrophe. Lil Justin, Justin yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it's that whole kind of thing of the heir apparent, and usually the in 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 the context of comedy, the heir apparent's usually just a bumbling idiot, <laughs> and yeah. they kind of are doing that here. But he's an endearing idiot in this movie. Very likable. Yeah, yeah he's a very likable idiot. So the idiots, basically the idiots, um, son-in-law of the owner of the restaurant, if you will, the cliched bumbling guy who doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, he realizes the talent of the rat right. in making the soup and he makes a deal with the rat, takes him back to his home and he's a pretty sad sack apartment. Yeah. And he, be, he feels like he has saved this rat from being killed, which he has. The rat now owes him and the rat should pay him back by... This sort of like a Cyrano de Bergerac with food, I suppose, where the rat is doing the work, but he is getting all the credit. Yeah. At minute 33, Linguini thinks that Remy has left. Remy has not left. He has been loyal. He is cooking the man an omelet, a French omelet. Tell us about a French omelet, Jim. I'm making a game time decision. Originally, I was going to do something else. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do a French omelet, and I might even do a video tutorial on this because oh. I forgot how much I love French omelets. And I love to make French omelets. We've discussed this, I think. We have. Um, the difference have. between like a U.S. omelet versus yes. a French omelet. I'm a French omelet guy. Always have been. I like my eggs a little undercooked, a little medium rare, a little uh, al dente. Yeah. A little al dente. Um, a little salmonella in there. Just a touch of salmonella. Yeah, just a little you know? sousson of salmonella. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think it's high time we do a, a proper omelet. Um, and I might even, if I have time this week, and I think I will, uh, is do a, vi a quick video tutorial at my stove. It won't be well produced. Paul's going to help me edit it. <laughs> it uh, but we, we will get it done. Uh, because I I love, the, even in this movie, where it's an animated movie and I know it's not real food, it's like when you watch that Japanese animated pornography and you're like, I know that's not a real chick, but it's still kind of hot. Um, yep. This was food porn to me. I remember, like, I, I stopped what I was doing and was like, Oh, that's a French omelet he's making, and it's got some stuff in it. I want to eat that. And he made oh, yeah. a, he made a little one for himself and a big one for <laughs> for his buddy there. I thought it was cool. So adorable. Yeah. Oh uh, well, listen, ladies and gentlemen, Jeremy with a game time decision, calling an audible, calling an audible. We're, we're gonna call that the audible omelet. The audible omelet. I love it. There we go. There yeah. we go. Okay. Uh, thank you so much, Jared, for that very generous recipe and uh, potential video. That's that's going to be awesome. Uh, and it's French-style omelet, which we both love. You know what I'm saying? So, but minute 39, they're trying to figure out how to work together, the rat and, and Linguini. So Remy and Linguini, they're trying all kinds of things. They start off by trying how to bake an omelet. That is the first thing they're trying. Yeah. I feel like that's a good test of a chef is making that French omelet as a first kind of like way to get your, your sea legs under you. Yeah. If you can make a French omelet, which is hard because mm -hmm. there's a, it, there's a fine line to a French omelet before it, it, turns. it takes great motor skills, right? Yeah. And to get it to do the flippy thing, which I'm terrible at. Um, yeah. yeah, but I'll still, I'll struggle through it. Uh, it, it it's a whole thing. 
but it's still there's just a lot of technical ability required there. It's a very simple dish, uh, as a lot of French dishes are. Um, but if you can do it and you can do it well, I assume you're pretty good at cooking. If you're not like a, you may not be a professional chef, you're probably a good cook. This is a great tip for the for the youngs at home, the yeah. university students. Okay, dudes out there, heterosexual, you know, sp- gender specific dudes, whatever you identify. What, if whatever, you're, if whatever, you identif- whatever sexuality. Let's 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 open the door here. If well, this was kind of specific to uh, uh, heterosexual identifying dudes. Okay, let's about. let's let's see if let's see where we go. Right. So if you, <laughs> if you're a dude and a, and you're young, you're 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 under twenty five, dude. Who's you, you know you're still you're trying tr- trying to get your life uh, going and try to sort of build yourself as a person. It is a phenomenal thing to learn how to make a French omelet because you're gonna, I hope, be taking young ladies home and you want to treat them right the next morning and you want to impress them. And so that the last thing they re- remember is that man, that guy made me an awesome breakfast. Yeah, maybe if you can make a French smell. omelet. Yeah. If you can make a really good French omelet and do the flip, which is something you can practice. Eggs are cheap. Yeah. Figure out the French omelet. That will definitely get you a second date and possibly more hand-holding and kissing in front of your sweetheart. So I would open that up and say, even if you are into dudes, into whatever, I think anyone of any gender is going to be impressed by a French omelet in the morning. So no matter where you like to stick your private parts uh learn the french omelet all right um, solid endorsement from jeremy you know what my here i'll give you a little little insight into me before Please. i could cook a french omelet you know what my go-to post one night hookup whatever event uh M- bre- meal meal breakfast, breakfast was pop tart no 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 i'd actually cook something oh you would cook something yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. go ahead i, I don't know you know the what is it called? I call it toad in a hole, where you take the bread, you cut a circle out in the middle. Oh, and the egg goes the in egg there. Put the egg in the middle, and then you slide and dog some, you and some cheese on top with bacon. Hell yeah, that's always a crowd pleaser. It's okay. It's always so you, gone. yeah, it's always yeah. A, it's always a crowd pleaser. That was my go to, and I actually have a scar on my pinky. I don't know. You couldn't see it, but. I was cooking that and I was trying to slice the cheese thin to put over top and the knife went right into my hand and the girl actually had to take me to the emergency room. <laughs> oh, man, you, you, your, your heart was in the right place. Second date, and, second date was still achieved. I poured my blood, sweat and tears into those that, that uh, breakfast. Listen, the fact that she drove you to the emergency room, that's a keeper right uh, there. She didn't drive me. We walked. Oh, you walked. What, even better. Yeah. Yeah. This was in Halifax. This was in Halifax. Halifax women are very friendly people. She was not know. from Halifax. Oh, <laughs> never mind all of that. <laughs> but all right, let's keep going. <laughs> uh, moving along. Minute 40. This is very telling with my whole overall uh, thought that this is an allegory for libertarianism politics and uh, the uh, the the Nietzschean Ubermensch theory. Okay. Ayn, Ayn Rand, all that stuff. Yeah. Minute 40. Colette, the only woman in the uh, kitchen who has been allowed to be in the kitchen, is not happy with Linguini's promotion. She thinks it's a fluke that yeah. this young kid got the promotion. And she says, and I quote, I am here... Because hot cuisine is an antiquated hierarchy built upon rules written by stupid old men 
rules designed to make it impossible for women to enter this world, but still I am here. How did this happen? You tell me what's going on. Well, I think there's a there's a truth there. Uh, for years, uh, kitchens were seen as a very male place. Mm-hmm. She's talking about antiquated hierarchies built upon yeah. rules written by stupid old men. Yes. What do you think she's talking about? She's talking about... She's talking about bureaucracy and elites, protecting elites. Okay, yes. And if you want to go with kind of more of a, a woke current way of thinking... Uh, She's fighting against the patriarchy that exists with, you go. within uh, cuisine, within uh, haute cuisine. And mm-hmm. it does exist. I mean, if you look at who are the famous TV chefs of our day, sure, there's Nigella and, and some others, Martha Stewart, Dabbles. Uh, but really, it's like it started with Marco Pierre White, Gordon Ramsay, all these guys, Jamie Oliver. It was just a very kind of dude-centric, Emerald Lagasse, uh, Yan, um, all these dudes. And it was their thing. Uh, but it's, a, you know, more and more these days as females are breaking into this industry, especially with the surge of people going into it. And I think you see now on all these cooking shows that the split is getting a little bit better, but it used to be. Women, it was a very male-dominated, very kind of, uh, kitchens are are savage environments, right? They can be. I know we've talked about them being either or, um, but they, Mm -hmm. for a long time, they were very savage environments. You ever see the movie Waiting with Ryan Reynolds? uh, I worked in a kitchen. I I don't have to. Yeah, so you'd know. Uh, We should do, we should do Waiting for a film at one point, but. um, For sure. Just like guys pulling out their balls or just doing disgusting I've seen things. it. I've been there. I've seen it. It was a very kind of, if you, for lack of a better term, toxic male environment. Um, so she represents uh, kind of a new, a new outlook, a new perspective. On that. Okay. So you, you, do, do you believe that the kitchen uh, is a metaphor for uh, antiquated institutions who value who value lineage more than individual potential. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Let's keep moving on. on. Let's keep going down that road. Moving on. Minute 41, Skinner, Dirtbag, he's examining the latest promotional frozen food items from the Gusto brand, and he is running this brand into the ground as only an antiquated boomer douchebag can, trying to wring every single dollar out of this brand, no matter how low he has to sink and how low he thinks of food. This is a, this is an absolute disgrace. Well, he doing he no here. longer cares about the creativity of it. His restaurant follows a set rest set of recipes, like, uh, and we'll see it. Um, but they don't deviate from that. There's no creativity. There's exactly. nothing. There's nothing new happening. No risk taking. And and he is, you know, he's the heir apparent, obviously, but he's not. But he's the guy that has taken over. And he doesn't want to, one, he doesn't want to push the gravy train off the rails. He wants to keep the gravy train on the rails, keep the gravy mm-hmm. flowing for himself. Mm-hmm. Was that, was that sounding like too? Does it sound like Boomer, the entire generation of Boomers? Potentially, potentially. Ruining the generation after it just because they're just too greedy. They want to keep I don't everything want to insult, I don't want to insult the Boomers. I love okay. the Boomers. But, um, right. <laughs> uh, Sell out. <laughs> But no, he's, you know, he is, 
he's keeping the ship on course and he doesn't let anything new or interesting into his kitchen. He wants his kitchen to be his kitchen. He has a kitchen that has at least some level of respect in France. Uh, it's, I think at some point in the movie, they call it a bit of a tourist restaurant, which in Mm -hmm. France, there are tourist restaurants and then there are restaurants where people in France go and Mm -hmm. there, he wants to keep the status quo in place and he is threatened by change. Yeah. And he, because change means he may not one, his money. Yeah. He won't get that money, but also his grip on this franchise, this creation grip on power, perhaps power, uh, as soon as somebody comes in and changes that, he loses that grip a little. An upstart comes in and changes that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Interesting you mentioned that. Okay. All right. Okay. Minute 44, Colette. Uh, there's a great montage of how Colette teaches Linguini to be a professional. Colette is someone who has pulled herself up by the bootstraps, by her own personal momentum, and, and gotten through every hurdle to get in this kitchen. And now she... Yeah is teaching the son of the king how to be a chef. But she cares. She cares a lot. She cares. You this can... is her identity. This is what she loves to do. And she she fought to get there, and she really cares a lot. She cares. Yeah. She yep. ca- she cares about food. She cares about creating good food. Uh, but she doesn't realize the the world she's in. She's got a job at a great place, but she doesn't realize that, you know, like, I don't know, you've been in advertising for a while and you get the, I, I found that when I, sometimes when I got my dream job, I'd be like, uh, this is how the sausage gets made here. <laughs> All right. We're going to, we're going to lay Jeremy down and do some therapy, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, you get in and, and you think this is the way, this is the status quo, but it's not. There's more to it than that. A lot of politics. A lot of that. Interesting. Um, yeah. Minute 48. The customers are dissatisfied with this menu that has not changed in years. They are asking for something new. They're asking for linguinis. It's boring. They're asking for linguinis soup. Something like linguinis soup. Skinner orders linguini to make Gusto's sweetbread a la... Sorry, to make sweetbread a la Gusto. It's an old recipe of Gusto's. As a way to sabotage linguini because he knows this was a failed recipe. Gusto even acknowledged it as the recipe as a disaster. This, ladies and gentlemen, is how the elites keep the working classes down. Which is funny. Sabotage them. Because sweetbreads is a very working class dish. Yeah. Like sweetbreads, for those that don't know. Not a coincidence. Not a coincidence. Not a coincidence. Is tripe. It's stomach Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, it's guts. Yep. Um, And in a lot of movies, actually, they talk about sweetbreads. A lot of these food-based movies, they talk about sweetbreads. And... um, if you had sweet, we've talked about. If you had sweet, I've not. I've, I've not. I, I I got hip to what it was, and I was like, "You're not going to fool yeah. me." With, white people try to fool you with their names of foods, like sweetbreads <laughs> and other things like that. You know what I mean? I'm not buying it. I'm not. I'm not falling for it. So when I lived in Taiwan, the the Taiwanese had, uh, if you go to night markets, they would have tripe, and mm. it, it's stomachs and and whatnot. Um, and, it, and the way they prepared it was just delicious. Like the texture of it was just kind of like. Have you ever eaten octopus? I have. Yeah. yeah. You know the texture of octopus? Yeah. If, if, it, if it's cooked well. Mm-hmm. It's tender. It's a little chewy. There's an interest to it. It's exciting. There's the, yeah. crun- the crunchy suction cups. It's great. Um, Sweetbreads has a similar vibe to me. 
in a in a different way. It can be very chewy. It can be you know there's a te- it's a textural thing that you have to get used to. The first time I had like Hout Cuisine sweetbreads was at Neptune's Oyster Bar in Boston. Pay us Neptune's Oyster Bar in Boston Pray, for this. Yeah, shout pay out. us for that shout out. Yeah, uh, but I would shout it out for free. Great restaurant, great food. Hope it's still there. Hope it survived the pandemic. This was years ago. Um, they did. They. I was. I didn't know what I was ordering technically at the time. I was. I was still new to my foodie ways. Um, and I had it, and I was like, "What? What the heck is this?" And they're like, "Yeah, that's yeah, it's stomach. <laughs> that's tripe." Uh, and and it was good. It was. But you were into it though, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm still am today. And I'm I'm of the school of thought that I'll eat anything once, and if I don't like it, fine. But um, it, it was good. I would say it was very good. All right. Uh, Jer had a great sweetbread. This Gusto recipe, not a great sweetbread. No. It is, it is a device designed to uh, sabotage Linguini from climbing the ranks. Remy uh, alters the sweetbread recipe by making his own sauce the original sauce is some kind of weird licorice sauce yeah remy alters it he blocks colette from putting the the traditional sauce down puts his own sauce down crowd loves it linguini is a hero not remy right linguini is the hero not colette right the heir apparent the the to the throne has now taken the glory from those who are more deserving of it well this is the elite profiting off the proletariat Yep, right. up, the, up the creativity and, and the hard and work the hard of work other of people. Proletariat, very interesting. Absolutely, very interesting. Absolutely. You know, yes. Minute fifty-three. Remy celebrates his victory by very in a very satisfying shot, leaning back, eating grapes and a baguette and two kinds of cheese. His brother appears. Remy decides to break Gusto's rule and steal some steal some food right. for his brother. He gives him a soft cheese with a strawberry, and there's a great illustration and animation of visually what this kind of does flavor-wise, putting these two contrasting flavors together. Talk about that a little bit, the the contrast and how that... Was there a food awakening for you similar to this, where you put two things together or some kind of situation where the light went on, where like, oh, I like great food? Um... I don't know if I could pinpoint a specific moment in my life, uh, but combinations, especially with cheese, cheese is one of those things that like. When was the first time you paired cheese with like some kind of fruit? Were you in your twenties? University? When was probably was in my twenties. Probably was in my late twenties. Probably was not in university. I will say this: I only did it after I saw this movie. Really? Yeah. Interesting. cheese and fruit go together very well cheese and preserves like cheese and jam so if you tip to all you you know whoever the the youngs out there the youngins or the oldens or whoever if you're Mm -hmm. ever putting together a charcuterie board if you're one of those you want to do a nice charcuterie board don't forget to put some sort of preserve like jam marmalade something that has kind of a sweeter tart texture to it because the cheese is very fatty, the meat is very salty. You need that third kind of complement. Um, mustard can be acidic and bitter and weird and fun, and 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 then it, there's a richness to that. But with the sweetness of the preserve, 
and even some fruit, uh, figs, uh, dried apricots, stuff like that, that can really play off the, the salty, big, kind of uh, rich flavors of the cheese and the um, meats. Also, Absolutely. don't forget honey. You need that extreme sweet helps too. Um, yes, sir. So fruit, grapes and cheese are great. Wine and cheese are great. Um, you know, and, and if you are doing a charcuterie and drinking wine, you can then cut the acid right out because you got the acid in the wine. Um, but yeah, it's just fruit and cheese go so well together. And, and even when you were a kid, you know, when I was a kid, I'll give you a very good example. Let's go. I used to be weirded out by people who put cream cheese and strawberry jam on their bagels. Oh. Until I tried it. Yeah. And that's fruit and cheese in its most basic simple form. And that's that sweet, sour, salty kind of play that your taste buds crave because it's engaging more than just one area of your tongue. It's complex. Love it. Yeah. Young's at home. Uh Develop your palate a little bit, like like Jeremy just instructed you to do. Get into it. Yeah. Grow up. Whew. So 58, he has a discussion with his father, who is his king, basically, the leader of his tribe. Yeah. And his father wants him to get back to eating garbage, hang out with the group. You're a rat. Don't be hanging out with these humans. Don't be hanging out with these elites. You do not belong there. And Remy's response is, rats, all we do is take, dad. I'm tired of taking. I want to make things. I want to add something to this world, which we're going to put the clip in right here. I remember political Rep- Republican politician Mitt Romney. His, Mittens. Mittens Romney. His, his kind of political philosophy overall is he wants to create a government for makers, not takers. That was his catchphrase. Oh. See? You see what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We are... Going pretty far right with this. I like it. Yes, sir. Right. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, so 103, Remy is asleep because he had a rough night. Sorry, Linguini is asleep because he had a rough night. He Remy was drinking wine with his boss, right? Yes, he was. And that we should, we, should, we should cut to that for a second because okay. they mentioned the wine that he was drinking, Chateau Latour, which is a famous producer in France. Um, there are various vineyards that they get from. Producers in France are maybe not the same as producers here. Um, they don't own their vineyard. They tend to pull from other vineyards. So depending on which wine from Chateau Latour he was drinking, he put a year on it, which was like they were giving these 78s and ridiculous years that most people don't have and were probably insanely expensive at the time. Um, just an interesting note. They're just trying to connote that Latour is a very well-known producer. Um, and so they were trying to connote this was a very good wine. He was plying him with great wine. If you're going to be plied with something, great wine is a great thing to be plied with. Sure, if you want to spend hundreds of dollars to get it. No, no. He spends hundreds of dollars. Yeah. You, you, you're just getting plied. Yeah. Oh, if I'm getting you're plied. Not, you're not plying. Yeah. If, you want, no. if you want to ply me, if you want information out of me. It, yeah. Know, any government agencies listening, if you want to get information out of me, great. Or terrorist organizations, any organization. Whatever, whoever wants to get information out of me, great, yeah. great wine is, a, and, and only a glass. Like I'll, I'll, I'll squeal for a little. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Jeremy is not a spy, by the way. I just want to put that out there before anyone starts calling us. 
he's he's not going to give away our secrets. Um, I yeah. Know. So yeah, one hundred three. Linguini has uh, been hungover and he's un- unconscious, but Remy is making him stir the soup again. An allegory for the elites slacking off and the working class doing all the work. Yeah. While he's asleep and and Remy is controlling him, he's having a conversation with Colette, who doesn't know he's asleep. And he seems to be ignoring Colette after all she's done with him. And she says, I didn't have to help you. If I looked out only for myself, I could have let you drown. But I wanted you to, to succeed. I liked you. My mistake. It was her mistake for being generous. She should have been selfish. Yeah. Just the way these Ayn Randians believe selfishness is the key to moving society forward. She made the mistake. She helped this guy. She shouldn't have. But You shouldn't help people. You should be wait, selfish. doesn't she learn? Uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting. 108, yeah. <laughs> 108, Linguini and Colette do some food flirting. Yeah. She is puts a spoon of soup to her mouth, and she looks over to him slyly. A little more suggested than I would like a, fil- a kid's movie to be, I feel, sexually. Uh, I don't know about you. Uh, yeah, okay. I mean, I think a great lesson here. And mm-hmm. going back to, once again, to your breakfast heterosexual males if you or or whatever sexuality you you yep. s- subscribe to um food is a very good uh i guess catalyst or or kind of it it, it there's a romance to food eating yes. a great that's why people go out for nice dinners together um some people you know i cook for my wife we've talked about this ad nauseum on this show um i I cook for my wife and that's that's there's love there right and when i was when i was trying to make my wife my wife uh cooking was a part of that right and uh back in the day when i was having my young bachelor lifestyle cooking was involved in that there's there's love with food food and love are very much because you're feeding somebody you're, you know, not only is it tastes great, but you're actually sustaining them. So I think that's an interesting point to be made. Listen, if music be the food of love, play on, as Shakespeare said. Well said. Well said. Moving on. 120, Remy's rat buddies have found him in his new environment, this restaurant among the elites, the humans. He decides to cook them all dinner mm-hmm. at minute 23. He, the, his buddies and him are all shooed out of the restaurant. But guess who? Guess who got rid of them? Who? Linguini. Linguini. The prince. The young elite prince who can't do nothing for himself shoes away Remy's friends and family because they do not belong in this restaurant. His, his entirety of his success you know, earned on the backs of others. And then when that kind of comes to a head, guess what? No, no. Bye-bye. Mm. Don't right. d- don't get above your station. You're allowed here as long as you're working for me. Mm-hmm. Other than that, don't show your face here, especially not with your friends. Interesting. Okay. Which I would say is also kind of how he was treated before they found out he could cook. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, listen, black person, we love you dribbling Jesus. a basketball, 
We love you dribbling a basketball. Don't mention politics, though, LeBron James. That's not what you're here for. Ah, you understand what I'm saying? Okay. I thought you were going totally different. I, nope. I, I panicked there for a second. I know. I know. I saw the fear in your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listen, Willie, listen, Willie Mays, or listen, Muhammad Ali, get in the ring and fight for our entertainment. We don't want to hear your, your views on Vietnam or race yeah. politics in this country. That's not what you're here for, sir, son. Dance. Get in there and punch somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Big political mm -hmm. statement you're making here. I like it. Absolutely. Like I'm going to blow the lid off this Ratatouille situation. All right. Which I feel like I'm doing so far. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're, so, you're kicking it up a notch. So, as the struggle between the lower classes and the elites escalates, it comes to a head where Anton Ego, who is the representation of the establishment, the elites, the backwards thinking, the holding on to old ways and refusing to acknowledge human, like personal potential and innovation, Anton Ego has showed up. Our our prior hero, the 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 libertarian hero who was Auguste, who raised himself up by his bootstraps, his idiot son, who was an actual representation of the establishment, not of the working class, he is now charged with preparing something that will make this man ego except yeah the ideological difference of gusto's um I, I guess cooking as a metaphor for championing individual rights he says like give me a vision or something like that's right he wa he wants he wants to be he wants his mind to be changed i guess the establishment is saying you think you can do better than what we've done yeah. go ahead and try yeah, it. okay show me something show um, me something anton ego yeah. Just, this bugged me for the first 30 minutes of this movie because his voice is so familiar to me. Voiced by Peter O'Toole, the late, great Peter O'Toole. Oh, shout out to the late, great Peter O'Toole. Loved Ooh. Peter O'Toole. <sighs> Badass. Great actor. Dude was in everything. Man, he was around in the swinging 60s in London. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, he was in Caligula. <laughs> with those blue eyes man yeah. are you kidding me yeah even as an old man he was beautiful he was yeah he was god bless that man lawrence of arabia shout out to lawrence of arabia yeah. back when back when people of who were not of a certain race could play a certain race. not saying it was anything, encouraged back not then saying it was anything, not nothing to be said politically yeah. uh but yeah hey last samurai starring tom cruise it happened um, oh boy that was a movie can mm -hmm. mm -hmm. we should do that movie? <laughs> I don't know if there was food in it, but we should do that movie. Hey, the Mexican starring Brad Pitt. That happened too. All right, let's just call it like it is. Uh. <laughs> so, building to this moment where the two ideologies finally converge. Yeah. The established elite is saying is throwing down the gauntlet to the working class who have this hidden individual potential, which is being stifled by the established bureaucracy that maintains the status quo of the group, they decide, you know what we're going to do? We're going to serve them ratatouille, which is a peasant dish, shunned upon by the elites as something that peasants eat. And what do they do? They create something new by taking a chance and innovating because they have to, because the elites won't innovate. The establishment won't do that because they're established. They're happy. Yeah. It takes someone from the lower classes with a grand vision and human potential 
to take this symbolic dish of ratatouille, which is made for peasants, and elevate it and throw it into the face of the elites to say, this is what we can do. How dare you look down upon us? Well, Ego even said it himself earlier in the film. He said when he was when he was asked to go re-review, he said, I already condemned them. I already condemned them to the gutters. Why would I go back? Right. Right. Absolutely. Interesting. I like where this is going. And in a triumph of libertarianism, of personal responsibility, Remy's dish wins him over. And then the group is, a, and, and as he, he has this great victory, it's revealed, like, Sir, like Cyrano de Bergerac is a midget, all that stuff. It's revealed that this genius little, is little a- Little person, please. Sorry about that. Little, little person midget. It is revealed that the g- genius- the, the visionary that, that was behind this great meal, this resurrection of this restaurant, which had been in shambles because it was been led by a bureaucrat who was lazy and fat and not innovative. Mm-hmm. The person in charge of this was a rat, someone from the lower classes. Yeah. And they are initially shunned by the, the, by the kitchen staff. Yeah. Initially stunned by ego, he loses his position in society. He is they taken down as an... take the... Sorry to cut in, but... Please, They, go they ahead. had to literally take the food inspector, the police, the, mm-hmm. you know, the, ar- the arm of the elite, and disable them, disarm them, tie him up, throw him in the fridge with the other chef... Mm-hmm. Uh, in order to keep their dream alive, their they revolution. Had, they had a revolution. Alive. Yes, Viva a working la class revolution. Yeah, yeah, in this restaurant. Interesting. So, uh, and and with any res and with any revolution, the people in power are going to suffer. So uh, Skinner gone, gone. He's gone. Uh, Ego, who actually supports them, he's punished for his support. He loses his position. As the as in uh, uh, food critic, but they do give like a Disney esque uh, ending for him where he ends up okay. He he invests in some of his money and whatnot, but he do, he does suffer. He's taken down from his position in society. The group pulls him down and punishes him. His mind his mind is changed though. It is changed. He's the he's the usurper in, in, yes. in some way. You know what I mean? He's the traitor. Mm-hmm. He gave the proletariat the working class he gave them the voice absolutely interesting absolutely yeah and so that my friends is how ratatouille is an allegory for libertarian politics and personal responsibility uh via rats cooking in a kitchen in france bold i've i'm I'm converted i was skeptical i'm I'm not gonna lie i was skeptical Mm -hmm. but you really you really brought me there Um, oh yeah thank you well played Okay. Well, uh, with that said, we look forward to your comments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot, you know, a lot of controversial stuff was said. Uh, blame Paul. Oh, my God. I await your call, Tucker Carlson, to yeah. be on your freaking show. <laughs> Bring us on. Because I've got some skeletons in my closets. Um, yeah. Let, let's do awards. Let's do awards. All right, Cher. Uh, first things first. Uh, best use of food 
in the movie? Your I, thoughts? I, I, I mean, it's called Reddit. Like, should we just go with the obvious? Like, I'm, I'll let you I'll tell me. I kind of have to go with the. I mean, we glossed over it real quick here, but the Ratatouille scene where Ego is instantly brought back to his childhood, and it it has to be that, right? It yeah, has to, and remembers what life was like before he was the voice the the you know the megaphone for the elite before before he sold himself out and conformed to the group exactly lost his soul when when creativity and food meant something to him exactly right when actually powerful when actually being a part of something a peasant dish Mm -hmm. was the dish that brought him there that kind of shook him out of this Mm-hmm. elite way of thinking yeah absolutely this this is the uh rosebud sled of this Ooh, movie i feel bold. like yeah all right yeah. all yep. right i'm i hear you i'm with you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well since we since it's too obvious we should we should do a second place i think we think a second place would be for me yeah. uh second place for me was i gotta go with that tripe oh uh, sweet sweetbreads yeah it was a, that was a nice move of taking something that was if you think of sweetbreads it's the stomach intestines tripe of whatever the veal i think in this case they said veal um Mm -hmm. and that is peasant food because all the great cuts of a cow go to the you know the your steaks and your etc etc they go to the upper class they're the ones that are served Sweetbreads usually are what's given to the kitchen workers, right? right? So yeah, definitely talking about your you know up down the 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 class imbalance theme here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, also okay. made great sense because it's a dish that nowadays, especially in foodie culture, can be elevated, can be turned into something with creativity, with a little bit of, uh, you know. A little bit of creativity, a little panache. You mm-hmm. can actually turn sweetbreads into something that's fantastic and delicious. And that's that's been a theme within cuisine for years. Yeah. If you have talent and potential, you can take sweetbreads and turn it into something great. Yeah. And and that's the backbone of French cuisine. Think about think about French cuisine. And oh, it's all weird. It's all weird things. It's all frog legs and snails and caviar and like weird things that should be gross. But they're actually delicious. And a lot of the foods that you would know to be French cuisine, uh, uh, beef bourguignon, uh, confit. Confit was designed to preserve meat longer so that people who couldn't afford meat could eat meat longer. Um, Bourguignon is a peasant dish. Uh, Ratatouille is a peasant dish. All these things that are haute cuisine now in France came from very humble beginnings. And that is the story of this, of Remy the Rat. And I will say this, if you look at poor countries like India, Mexico, other types, some of the best food comes from poor countries and some of the worst food comes from rich countries. Right. Like German food is terrible. <laughs> I, I don't know who the hell is eating it. You ever had stuff, British food? British food, they you can pick their spots, but generally pretty bland. It's a bit overall. of a it's a bit of a running joke, but yeah, yeah. It, it's not supposed to be that good. Um, like Norwegian food, really bad. You know what I'm saying? Russian food, terrible. Scandinavian food seeing a bit of a re- renaissance, though. There's a 
There's some. I went to a Scandinavian Asian fusion restaurant recently and was like, "What you. the what the hell is that?" Hipster. Yeah. You yeah, the, the most hipster thing you've ever said in your life. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. Ugh. I thought it was going to be terrible, uh, but not that bad. Great beer. Oh, thank God. Thank yeah. God. Really surprising that a hipster restaurant has great beer, Chair. Well, they're a brewery. Big surprise. They're a brewery first, obviously. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. My second place uh, uh, food moment is that uh, French omelet. Just love that. Just great. The tiny one. Oh, phenomenal. Yeah. Love yeah, that. So, so adorable. So adorable. All right. Next uh, award is who in this movie would you like to have dinner with? What's her name? The, uh, the Sioux. Colette. Colette. I want to, too, but we can't both have her. Damn it. We can share. No, we can't. Eiffel, you saw her first. Eiffel, Eiffel Let, Tower. <laughs> oh, Jesus. You better not look me in the eye, you fuck. You went there first, man. You all went right, there first. Right, you right, opened right. up Pandora's box. I'm just Whoa. playing it. I'm just playing in whatever came out. Oh. <laughs> it's just, oh. Now I know what it's like to have a moment ruined. You know what I mean? I can't eat that omelet now. I just think about Eiffel Towers. Like, she didn't make the omelet. No, she didn't. All right. <laughs> uh, I will. Uh, I would like to have dinner with the main, like the fat waiter, the big waiter, or is he concierge? The guy. Oh yeah, the guy that keeps coming in being like they want this yeah yeah, yeah that yeah, guy yeah. i guarantee you that guy has a great life has awesome stories and was like a cool dude when he was younger who the mater like, d yeah the mater d that dude looks cool as hell if there's anyone in a restaurant you want to know like if you if there are restaurants where you want to get a reservation the person that's going to help you do that always the mater d those people mm. they are just a different breed of human being Shout out to Mater D's out there, the ones that still exist. Restaurants wouldn't exist without somebody like that. Front of house is so important. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. So ratings as a movie and as a food movie. Out of five. Uh, yeah. What, what's by, by the way? What do you what do you, what are your ratings? This like what are you actually? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking. Uh, out of five, I would give this one a. As a movie, I would give it a three point five. Uh, no, no, no half stars. No half oh, stars. No half stars. All right, then a three out of five. As a movie, I would give it three out of five. That's a three egg French omelet for me. Um, oh, okay, <laughs> nicely done. And as a food movie, that is a yeah. four egg French omelet. I thought this was a great food movie. Uh, oh, loved it good. as a food movie. Thought it was. I, I, I must say though, that this is not. Uh, sorry, what did you reckon this was a food movie? Was how many? Four, four? out of five. Oh, if this thanks. is not a four out of five food movie, I don't know. I don't know what could possibly be a four, a five out of five food movie. Uh, there this, are, this whole movie is about food. Like, what are we doing? Mm. All right, I don't want to peer pressure you. It's just it needed more food porn for me. Okay, all right, that's that's fair. Uh, I will rate it four out of five pieces of brie. And as a movie, sorry, that was a, yeah, four to five as a movie, Brie Cheese as a movie. And as a food movie, I'll rate it five out of it's five. Hard five. Piece, uh, grapes. Grapes. You put oh, those two ratings a, together. A, you put those two ratings together. What do you got? You got a nice, a nice combination. Yes, sir. Delicious yes, sir. combination. And this, yes, sir. And, this, and that's what this movie was. All politics aside, 
fun movie to watch. Enjoy it. Watch it with your kids. Uh, and if you want to indoctrinate them, um, great film. Yeah. Can't All complain. Right. Uh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen at home, uh, just so you know, Pixar is indoctrinating your children into Ayn Randy and libertarian thoughts. You should probably have a conversation about them. And if you don't want them to grow up to be like that annoying college freshman who re who reads uh, Atlas Shrugged and now just changes their whole world thinking. You know I mean, you don't want to be that guy. You don't and want to be that guy. And Pixar, the opinions of the Food and Movies podcast are Paul's alone and right here. mine. So if there will be any legal action, please direct that towards him, uh, not me. Go ahead and tweet at me, Pixar. See what happens. Come at him. That's right. Not this has been the Food and Movies podcast. We just did Ratatouille. Um, well, have a good day, everyone.